Unpopular questions, Kyle. Yield. Unpopular answers, Kyle. However, Kyle, that doesn't mean that the question shouldn't be asked. That the findings shouldn't be regarded. DarbyCast. This could be an Economics Wednesday. could be a Wildcard Friday, depending on the release. It is on a Wednesday that I'm recording this. So perhaps we will put it in the context of disastrous economic consequences. What Kyle and I, what we were talking about. We weren't just talking about the questions in the form of meta-analysis. We were asking some specifics. Actually, Kyle was asking me and I was responding and I was saying, hey, Kyle, good call. Good question. I like the way you think, pal. You're not scared to ask questions, although that seems to be something that is becoming more and more prevalent in today's culture of stifling discourse, shutting it all the way down. We don't like to talk about problems anymore. We like to talk about inappropriate reactions to problems. We talk about this on the DarbyCast occasionally, DarbyCast doctors, that no longer can you classify something as an issue. It's your negative reaction that is the problem. People in major cities taking deuces in the streets, you need to be more understanding of people who take deuces in the street rather than us taking a look and being like, should people really be, uh, should people be laying cable on asphalt? I don't know. I want to take a stab in the dark and say, that's not a good call. You know, I'll fill you in, Darbycast doctors. Many years ago, when I first discovered that on the streets of San Francisco, there was a lot of human excrement, I was like, whoa. That sounds pretty third world, and that got me thinking. Where else are they crapping on the streets? Boy, is that a terrible thing to research, but it's happening in a lot of places. And here's something that I know. Sanitation is important, and poo in public fundamentally undermines that. Now, a number of years ago, there was a hepatitis A outbreak in San Diego, and it was contagious. A lot of poo everywhere. That's what causes hep A. Kyle, it's hep A, right? Not hep C. Hep C or sharing needles, STDs. That's not a good thing either. Intravenous drugs. I'm going to make that call out. But there's people out there now who are like, you shouldn't have such a negative reaction to drug users. Otherwise, they won't get treatment. And it's like, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if drug users are really resisting going to treatment because. They feel bad. I think it's more because drugs are terrible and super addicting. Yeah, I don't think anybody's like doing heroin and then being like, oh, society, they just don't accept my lifestyle. I don't think anybody's really thinking like that, but call me narrow-minded. Kyle, you think I'm on point with what I'm saying right now? Sure. Okay. So, poo everywhere. We are all well aware, maybe some of us aren't the DarbyCast doctors, let me just bring you up to speed. In every major American city over a population, about a million of which there are more than a few, we have homeless issues and tent cities and a lot of poo everywhere. Because people are like, I don't have a bathroom, better just poo on the streets. 
That's a little nuts, right? I was convinced years ago that it would be the rapid decline of sanitation standards, namely in urban centers, that would create some sort of incurable super virus that would lead to somewhat of a plague. Yeah, COVID kind of stepping in, and that's not really a poopy plague. That's whatever the heck it is. I don't know. Ask Fauci. Ask Fauci what's going on there. But nobody seems to want to talk about the homeless whodunitry and a bunch of deucing in the streets, right? So contagion. There are conditions for contagion. Many of you right now are going to be blown away when I continue going into the subject of contagion, but take it in a different direction. Because a lot of people say, well, you can't blame these homeless people for pooing everywhere. They're down on their luck. They have mental health issues. And that's what I want to talk about. Mental health issues. Seems as though there's a lot of them going on in our country. A dizzying amount of mental health conditions. Everybody wants to self-diagnose as well. That's an interesting thing. That people want to come across as interesting. So they're like, yeah, I've got the panic disorder. Yeah, I've got PTSD. One time I took a bite of bread and realized there was mold in it. And now I'm, well, I'm pretty screwed up. And it's like, geez, the worst things have happened to most people on the planet than that. But yeah, let's stop everything to make moldy sandwiched person feel okay. And I don't want to trivialize the mental health stuff because it is serious. But nobody seems to want to talk about the inception point or multiple inception points. You know, when there's a huge catastrophic fire that does a whole lot of damage, after the fact, there are fire scientists who'd be like, where the hell did this thing start? Sure, they put out the fires as best as they can. A lot of the times, those fires just have to burn the hell out, right? There's little you can do. You can try to control it, but the winds of fate and the winds of actual wind kind of determine the trajectory of that fire. So whether it's poo or mental health, we need to take an examination, a thorough examination, backtrace it and say, what are the inception points? In the 1900s, all the way, 1910, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, all the way to the 1990s, maybe even the 2000s. What was the prevalence and inception points of Mental health catastrophes. That's a question worth asking. When did it start? Because now I think we've got like 50% of the population on some kind of medication and then like 30 or 40% of those people on some kind of psychotropic medication. Very interesting. I think we live in a very ill society, one that contributes to the decline of mental health. But then on top of that, I think We've got some people who are quite ill in positions of influence who are spreading their illness to others. Doesn't that make sense? It does to me. I'm going to have to really flesh this one out. I'm going to have to tie this all together. I know we started poo in the streets and thinking that that was going to be the downfall of a whole lot. But then it's like, well, why are people pooing in the streets? And a lot of them were mentally ill. Well, why are people mentally ill? Where did it come from? We're just 
backtracing the fire, right? We are detectives. Darby Cass, doctor detectives. You have a doctorate in detection. I don't know if they're giving those out, but you're earning one here. You don't just get a degree handed to you. You got to earn it. And this is where you do it. You do it on the Darby cast. You start to hone your critical thinking skills. Start to rewind the tapes a little bit and be like, hey, what about this? Hey, what's really going on there? Are we viewing this correctly? Could I view this differently? Could I ask different questions, even if they're unpopular? Would that lead me to unpopular answers, but perhaps ones rooted in truth, facts, allow me to make normative generalizations based on a wide variety of both intuitive statements and those rooted in empirical evidence. Whoa. Yeah. Data. Okay. So we got this homeless issue where people are pooing on the streets and that could really make for a bad time because you've got these homeless centers all over the place. And boy, are there a lot of terrible ideas of how to deal with the homeless, right? You hear all these terrible ideas. Like, let's just, let's tax the hell out of productive people and, and, throw money at the problem. But the people who are coming up with those ideas, they aren't necessarily that smart, nor do they know how anything works, right? Anything you subsidize, you're going to get more of. So if we throw a lot of money at the homeless, we're probably going to get more homeless. Anything you tax, you're going to get less of. So if we tax productive people, we're probably going to have less people in the tax base. They're probably going to leave, right? Just food for thought. But let's talk about figuring out who started the fire. Right? You've heard of the song, We Didn't Start the Fire, but somebody did. Right? And there's multiple burn points. So I was asking a friend of mine who's a psychologist, real sharp fella, said, are mental health symptoms communicable? Is mental illness contagious? Could you send me a research article? You're well-read, aren't you, fella? Friend of mine? And he said, I actually haven't done a whole lot of research on that, but that makes total sense. That makes total sense. So. A lot of people are talking about trying to hose off the fire that is homelessness, but really, we need to do a little bit of investigation, figuring out what the conditions are. Do we have faulty telephone wires that are falling over, starting fires? Do we have arsonists who are creating the fires of mental health? Because we will not stop the homelessness problem until we figure out what's starting these fires in the first place and then how these fires spreading. To me, it seems quite obvious that mental health issues are in fact contagious. And there's plenty of research articles to support that. I was reading one today published in October of 2012 in the Health Economics Journal, volume 22, issue 8. Just want to cite my sources. Why the hell not, right? Researchers, Marilyn F. Downs, Janice L. Whitlock, sound like power players, but they were asking the question. They were saying, what is the impact of mental health conditions traveling through social networks, be they physical or digital? And boy, did they find exactly what I figured they would. Even before I read this article, I had a hunch, intuitively, that nonsense spreads online through screens. I've mentioned this many a time on the Darby cast. You already know this as a DarbyCast doctor. If you're listening to the DarbyCast, if this isn't your very first DarbyCast, you're like, well, yeah, I knew this. And even if this is your very first DarbyCast, you're listening to this and you're like, yep, yep, makes total sense to me. 
bunch of nonsense spreads on the net. So I would love, and I don't have the data, but I would love, I'm going to go back to a question that I asked earlier. When did the mental health crisis really start to ramp up? When was its inception point? And if it's contagious, how did it spread when it got to the States? Some of you are asking yourselves right now, scratching your head, you say, wait, it wasn't in the States to begin with? And I'm going to make a hypothesis, and this will need to be tested. Scientific method, you get it. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Mental illness was brought to the United States. It came here. Oh boy, now we're getting into dicey territory. We are getting into real dicey territory. But let me backstep a little bit and continue. Because some of you aren't sold yet. You're like, yeah, mental health, mental illness, is that contagious? Let's talk about it. Let's get this sorted out. Fear, is it contagious? You bet your ass it is. You bet your ass fear is contagious. Look at what happened with the Corona Ruski. So let's check this out. What is the ultimate apex extension of fear? It is irrational paranoia, right? Irrational paranoia. What mental illness goes hand in hand with irrational paranoia? Usually schizophrenia. Miserable, miserable mental disease. Are there high-functioning schizophrenics? I believe so. So what happens if you have a high-functioning schizophrenic who is utterly paranoid, terminally paranoid, fearful of everything? And what if you allow them to pop off all the time and they are so high-functioning that you don't quite know that they're not on the level? Scary stuff, right? Very scary stuff. So then you have a lot of people listening to this, say, person's paranoid worldview. Whew. Now, where in our society, where are the largest vectors of fear-mongering? Mass media, you say? And social media? Heyo. Looks like we're onto something. So if there are people who are maybe not even schizoaffective, as they say, maybe people just have deep paranoia. I don't know enough about psychology, but I'm, I'm imagining that there is such thing as a paranoid disorder. Maybe you don't have the full suite of symptoms that go with something as serious as schizophrenia, but perhaps you have people with paranoia and then that spreads. Now we're doing major detective work and we're figuring out what's really going on. So if social media and mass media has given a platform to a wide variety of voices and some of those voices pick up traction and if those people's disposition has potentially has a negative impact on those around them, then what? Then what? And when did this start? Let's look at history. And some people would make the argument, well, mental health wasn't really studied. Wasn't really studied. There wasn't as much data. There wasn't as much research. And I would agree with that. I would agree with that. We've gotten better at collecting data and executing research projects as time has gone on and everything's been digitized. But you would have to think that there would be records of those who were not quite neurotypical. They had different names for mental illness over time. 
in the 1950s in the States, people would be like, that guy's a wacko or that chick sure is bonker. She's bouncing off the walls. She's smearing poop everywhere. Put her in the loony bin. We don't quite do that now, but I wonder when it all started on a catastrophic widespread basis. Perhaps mental illness erupts spontaneously based on a wide set of conditions. Perhaps it could be a contributing factor, but they also say that mental health hedonitry is inherited. So nature v. nurture. I am somebody who leans quite heavily on the nature and the genetic elements of things. Some of you are still not convinced that mental health and mental illness are contagious. Look no further than eh, your average high school in the U.S. of A. It's something like over 50% of kids are now identifying as non-binary. You think it's always been that way? Or you think they are getting that information from somewhere and then they're acting it out because they think it makes them cool, interesting, or otherwise, maybe just edgy, who knows? Oh yes, this is one of the largest issues of our time. Nobody's really talking about it. We want to talk about a whole slew of other things and our terrible reactions to things that we are potentially repulsed by? It is not a normal reaction to be attracted to human feces. Over millennia, our brains, our instincts have been finely tuned to avoid things that are not good for us. So if you see somebody handling poo with their hands, you're like, I don't think that person's got all the wiring dialed in. Most people are repelled by poo. Most people are repelled by somebody who is not wired in a way that seems very healthy. Does this sound evil, what I'm saying? Does this sound mean? It could. Say you come across a person who is spouting off about an asteroid full of demons flying towards the Earth. Think about that for a second. You saw somebody just appearing to be eh, high on meth in a park. He's like, yeah, the contractors in San Diego don't understand that this demon meteor is coming in hot. Would you go up to that person and be like, dude, tell me more about this. I want to hear what your take is. Or would you be like, I think I'm going to take kind of a wide path around this person. I think you go for option number two. So we avoid things that might be injurious to us, right? But what happens when you can't avoid it? Whew. Then we've got a whole different can of corn. We've got a whole different can of corn. Right, Kyle? Right. Now let me take it a step further. Your first reaction to Demon Meteor meth head guy is like, whoa, what is your deal? But let's say you walked by this dude every day. And you were like, oh. All right. That's just demon meteor guy. Starts to become normalized, right? Starts to become normalized. You just think to yourself like, nah, I don't really want to do a whole lot about it. That guy scares the hell out of me. Then one day you're like, ah, let's say you're stoned. You just had half of a weed gummy and you're like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this guy. I'm going to listen to this guy. See what he has to say. You're kind of jacked up, you know, 
highly relaxed state where you're really open to suggestion. That's what weed does, by the way, is it puts you in a mellow state where you're open to suggestion. That's why when you smoke ganj, you can have your attitudes changed by things that you view on a screen. That's how ganj works and that's how perception gets altered quite quickly. Just a fun little fact. That's kind of why there's a big push to legalize weed. I just want to bounce all over the place. Big push to legalize the ganj because the powers that be that are trying to warp your perception of what's okay and what's not, boy, would they love it if you were just baked as a cake. Kind of laid back, relaxed on the couch, watching things to the effect of demon meteor guy spouting whatever his nonsense is and having you be like, I'm open to this. Okay, you have my attention, demon meteor guy. I wouldn't mind hearing more about you. Let me just stuff some Cheetos in my face and I will focus in on you. Hear your theories. Are you seeing what I'm saying? I think you are. Some of you right now saying, hey, fella, you say a lot of weird stuff. In fact, you're the one who came up with the imagery and fake persona of Demon Meteor Guy. And I will say yes to that. I have a fantastic imagination. But I'm also quite sure that I know the difference between the imaginary and what is real. Sure, the Darby cast explores fiction to explain things about reality that are tough to digest, tough to chew on. But that's a tool. That's not necessarily my entire worldview. If you go back to the episode Driving Dinosaurs, Airbag Optional, that is not a fantasy of mine. That is a way of poking fun at nonsense. You see how there's a difference there? As you listen to the Darby cast, though, there is no way that you would not take in some of the way that I see things. There's no way that you wouldn't. And I realize with that comes quite a bit of responsibility. And so I try to keep it rooted in reality, even when I bounce around with fun, fictitious anecdotes. I was reading in this study from earlier, the one I mentioned, that people with a happy neighbor tend to be happier. Whoa. So it goes in all directions. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for everybody? If we gravitate towards those that are healthy and happy, we will be healthy. We will be happy. If we gravitate towards those who are negative and fearful, we ourselves will become negative and fearful. If we hang around Demon Meteor Guy, eventually we might start being like, hey, what's going on with Demon Meteor Guy? Should we invite him to a barbecue? Do you see the importance of who not just you're paying attention to, but even who you are being exposed to, to very, very different things. You choose to pay attention to the Darby cast. You do, and I appreciate that. The Darby cast doctors are not here by accident. I'm not forcing anybody to listen to this. But what happens when you have people with strange, warped worldviews that populate Media, government, tech, big institutions with wide, wide reaches that you simply cannot avoid. Whew! Makes for a wacky time. 
This is an important takeaway. This is a very important takeaway. To be mindful of the things that you allow yourself and those that you love to be exposed to. Not just to follow, but to be exposed to. And anytime I give advice on the Darby cast, keep in mind, this is advice primarily for myself and for Kyle. Kyle, I'm looking after you, pal. I don't want to give advice that wouldn't be beneficial for me as well, because then I would be quite hypocritical and perhaps just steering people in a wrong direction. The advice that I give needs to be consistent with the way that I live. That's a big takeaway as well. This Darby cast isn't as rip-roaring hilarious as I usually like them to be, but the great thing about the Darby cast is it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. So a lot of you right now are asking yourselves, well, okay, so we got this widespread mental health crisis that in some instances is leading to poo on the streets. How do we tackle this mental health issue? It's not going to be a popular take. You have to start ignoring a lot of these people. You do. You have to start ignoring a ton of people. And that's not easy. If you enjoy the Darby cast, you've probably already begun to tune out some of the most insane sounding people that have the loudest voices. That much is probably true. And I don't know whether you did that by choice or whether you just did that instinctively because you're like, wow, whenever I listen to or whenever I watch this person, I always feel like garbage. Maybe you didn't articulate it to yourself 100%. Maybe you just had this miserable somatic response where you had a pit in your stomach after you watched the news one night or saw Mark Zuckerberg attempt to smile. And you were like, oh, Lord. What the heck is wrong with that thing? Right? Darby cast doctors. A whole lot of what I've discussed today is hypothetical conjecture. I don't have all the answers because I haven't done all the research. Does that mean the questions that I'm asking aren't valid? Sure doesn't. Sure doesn't. If you're a listener of the Darby cast, you're probably somebody who reads and somebody who follows up on things and has good questions and wants to investigate. So I invite you to investigate the things that have been discussed on this very episode of Darby cast. I'm not sure what I'm going to title this. Maybe meteor peppered with demons, something like that. Something to that effect that might play Just throw people off. I love titling episodes, as you know. Things that don't make a whole lot of sense. There is no real rhyme or reason to the episode titles. But let's tie this whole thing into a nice little package. I believe mental health issues, otherwise known as mental illness, is contagious. I believe that we are naturally repulsed by things that are not good for us. I think that over time, being exposed to something whether it's good for us or not, desensitizes us to such things. But if we are taking in nonsense that we have lowered our defenses around, eventually we will start to integrate some of that nonsense into our being, whether we want to or not. So I invite you to be careful and selective on what you allow into your brain. This is an ongoing process for me. And the internet is just a playground of 
chaos. But let's find the burn points. Let's figure out where this whole thing started from. Did mental illness start in the United States? Did it erupt spontaneously? Did other people bring it here with them? That is a tough question that many would be like, what? Yeah. Now that the tech media government apparatuses exist in everyone's life all the time, it's hard for us to sort through all the nonsense. And it's easy to just write things off as like, oh, we've got all these mental health issues and we just have to deal with them. But I would rather try to find the source of it, the root cause, root cause analysis, so we can prevent it in the future. Sure, maybe Demon Meteor Guy is too far gone and we can't save Demon Meteor Guy. Or some of the people pooing on the streets, maybe we can't save them, which is sad, but we should be focused on how to prevent more people from pooing in streets. We should be focused on what causes people to start taking massive amounts of drugs, whether that is a product of their environment, whether that is something that is genetic, or whether that is a combination of those two things, working in concert. These are just the questions, and you got to ask them. You got to ask them. Because, to be honest, a society that is mentally ill cannot function at all. At all. We know this. And sure, many of you have probably had moments, like I have in my life, where I've been stricken with extreme sadness. And I wanted to know, hey, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Sure, some of it probably came from me, my poor choices. Something bad happening to me on a personal level. But when that happens on a society-wide basis, we need to ask, what is the mental health, what is the disposition of the people in power who are projecting their thoughts out onto so many people? Why don't we get to do psych evaluations of Zuck? Why don't we get to do psych evaluations of Bezos, even though he just stepped down from Amazon? These people have far more influence on people's lives than we give them credit for. Their apparatuses that they have built have allowed other people to exist in the consciousness of strangers. Very crazy. The ultimate solution? Probably get the hell off the internet. Stop watching screens. Interact with people and avoid screens entirely. Maybe even avoid podcasts. Maybe you even have to avoid the Darby cast. Maybe this is too much. That would break my heart if you had to leave the Darby cast. But if you were doing it because you were like, you know what? I need to do this for me. Then I respect you. Then I respect you in a huge way. I want that for you. I sure hope this hasn't been too convoluted and bouncing all over the place. I know I've asked some questions and thrown out some hypotheses. I get the sense that some of them are correct. I don't know how correct. I don't have the data to back it up yet. But I would like to know the outstanding questions. If mental health nonsense is passed on genetically, which population is infected with it the most in terms of their heredity? Are they spreading it? How are they spreading it? What can we do to combat it? How can we keep future generations, especially children, safe? You're noticing that suicide numbers are on the rise. And that is heartbreaking. But there is a contagion element to that as well. What's very challenging is I don't know 
if you can put all the toothpaste back in the tube, because this wonderful, terrible thing that we know is the internet, it exists. And even if you yourself can limit your exposure to the internet, you cannot go ahead and tell everybody out there, don't use the internet. You just can't. You can't affect people's behavior like that. And if you're around somebody who's on the internet, what's that going to do? That chain reaction. Maybe they are consuming content or viewing content that isn't okay. And then you're not viewing that same content, but you hang out with that person. And then you're getting it. Chain reaction. Very dangerous stuff. I don't know what you do about it all the way. I really don't. Maybe we all just move to Pennsylvania, become Amish. Look at the Darby Cast episode, Low Trust, High Amish. Great episode. But that's going to do it for the Darby Cast. We will be back. Hopefully the next episode will be a lot more hilarious. I know this one was a little bit somber, a little bit sincere, and that's okay. Occasionally you got to have an episode like that. You do. All right, Darby Cast doctors, until next time.